Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Because he turns graves into gardens. He turns ashes into something beautiful. Amen. He did it for me. I know he's done it for you. I know he can do it for anyone. He's done it for humanity. That is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That is what he does. And it's good to be with you here this morning. Um, I'm, I'm ready to preach the word of God. And I hope that you're ready to, to listen to the word of God. If you're watching online, I hope that you're ready to listen to the word of God. Amen. Because there's a powerful word this morning um, out of Mark. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn there. Mark chapter 13, 3 through 13. Anybody happy to be in the church this morning? Amen. It's a little, it's a little hot in here because it's hot outside. I see, I see, I see y'all with the fans. My sister Heather back there. It's, it's hot, but God is good, and nothing's going to keep us from church. You know what? Back in the day, they didn't have AC. <laughs> they would, they would set up little, little tents to, uh, just, to, just to bring a little bit of shade. You know that that was that was the best that they were going to do, and they would set up and 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 they would set up chairs and a little pulpit. And, man, they'd, they'd go three hours long, man, in the presence of God. People, people sweating, people probably about to have a heat stroke, but, uh, but, but they, nothing could keep them away from the presence of God. And I hope that we continue to have a generation like that in our church that desires to be in the presence of God. I, I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for the next night of worship, which is going to be coming up pretty soon. We need that desire, that fervor for the presence of God because the presence of God equips us. It's what makes us strong. Amen. Mark 13, 3 through 13. We're going to read a little bit this morning. I hope that's okay. It says, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will be, they will be led astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must be, this must take place, but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak for the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. 
and you will be hated for all my name's sakes. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. That sounds like a conversation we were having just 15 minutes ago in my parents' office. I've entitled my message today, Is There Good News? Is there any good news? One of the more common questions that people ask in times of suffering and in times of tribulation is the question, when is it going to be over? When will this end? Right? How much longer do we have to endure this? How much longer am I going to be in this position? How much longer am I going to be broke for? How much longer is my marriage going to be suffering the way it suffers? How much longer before my healing comes and the pain ends? How much longer? It's a very common question to ask when we are in suffering. David asks the same question in Psalm 13. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? definitely not one of those songs that you blast all over social media to encourage people, right? But it's a very common question to ask when things aren't going well. How much longer? Now, Christians, we kind of have our own version of this question in regards to the world. We, we, we look at the world and, and we watch the news and we hear of terrible things happening and everything is just you know, in shambles in our world. And, and, and we wonder, where are you at, Jesus? Where are you at? How much longer? I cannot tell you how many times I've been asked this, this specific question. About 100 people probably have asked, asked it. The same question. It's the question, do you think Jesus will come back in our lifetime? A lot of people have asked me that question just in the past five years. And I, I don't know if they think like, just because I'm a pastor, like I have a secret, you know, secret uh, information that no one else has, like that I know this answer. No, the, the Bible says that not even the sun knows the day or the hour. And all we can do is speculate. That's all we can do. And I'll admit it does make for a good conversation. Thinking about the end, thinking about the glorious day when Jesus comes and and he comes back for our church and we're reunited with our, with our loved ones and, and we're standing face to face with our creator and there's no more death, there's no more tears, there's no more, pain, no more pain. All the world will see that Jesus is who he said he was. It's, it's, it's fun to think about. It's fun to have a conversation about. But the truth is, I don't know when he's coming back. I'll tell you right now. I don't know. It could be in our lifetime. It could be in my, my, my daughter's lifetime. It could be in my grandchildren's lifetime. It could be in 100 years. I don't know. I don't know. But we're curious. We're anxious because of how our world is. We see the things that are happening. And, and, and we think, surely any day now. I think Christians, like, we, we have our own, like, end of times checklist. Right? Like, okay, destruction of the temple. Check. <laughs> you know, wars, rumors of wars, true. You know, check. Apostasy, check. Natural disasters, man, we go crazy during hurricane season. Oh, check, 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 check. We're like, we're looking out our window like by this time, three o'clock tomorrow, man, he's, Jesus is surely coming back. And why do we do this? We do this because we see the state of our world. And we think, how much longer? 
How much worse can things get? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How much worse can things get? Look at what's happening. Look at the division. Look at the violence. Look at the radicalism. Look at the immorality. And we focus, and this is, this is what I want you to get. We focus so much on the bad that we forget that there is still good news to be preached. There is still good news, church. When you, when you hear that there's good news, you get a little bit more excited than that. There's, there's good news. And it's not just kind of good news. It's, listen, it's not just kind of good. It's the best good news that anyone can ever receive. But we focus on what seems like every negative problem. And we preach against the problem far more than we preach people the solution to the problem. There's nothing wrong with preaching against the problems. We need, we need to preach against the problem because there are problems in our world. There are issues in our world. There's nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you something. The most that that will do is fix an issue. The most that having a conversation, an an argument with someone that you disagree with, the most that you can do is make them see things the way that you, you do. The most you can do is fix an issue. You cannot fix the heart. You can't fix the heart of a person by fixing even all the issues. You guys remember the, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus? And this man asked Jesus, he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? Right off the bat, he had the first premise wrong. He assumed that there was something that he could do to receive eternal life. Well, we know that there's nothing that we can do there is nothing, as good as we can be, there is nothing that we can do on our, on our own. It's not about what we did, what we do. It's about what Jesus did, who he is. That's all, that's all it's about. But Jesus says, okay, I'm going to grant you this. I'm going to play the game. Let's see, let's see where it goes. He says, well, do you know the commandments? Honor your parents. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't murder. Jesus told him to follow the commandments. I want you to, I, I, this is gonna, we're going to get real theological for a minute. Jesus told him to follow the commands of a good law. But you might read that and think, but Jesus, we know that there's more to this. Like, why did you do that? Why, why, did, you, why did you just tell him to just obey the law? He did it for a reason. Jesus knew that, that even if the man obeyed every law in the Old Testament, which is impossible, that wouldn't be enough to merit eternal life. So Jesus was making a point here. The point that he was making was that even if you're good in the eyes of people, even if you're good in the eyes of the law, that doesn't make you worthy of eternal life. And so, so had Jesus just stopped the conversation right there and let the man continue about his business and think that all I have to do is obey these commands and I'm good, he would have done that man a disservice. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. So, real quick, before, before we get deeper. Again, it, it's Jesus it was highlighting the fact that it's not really about what you do that gets you saved. It's not about what you do. So if it's not about what you do that gets you saved, why do we focus more on the issues than we do the solution? We have to ask ourselves what our priorities are. Do we want to solve the issues of our day or do we want to fix the heart of people? There's nothing wrong with doing both. 
But I think the latter is more important than the former. Because this young rich ruler, he had solved all the issues in his life. He was good. He was, he was a good person in the eyes of the law, but his heart was still corrupt and in need of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that we never say the world needs Jesus when we're referring to people who align with us morally and, and even politically? We say the world needs Jesus, but we're not referring to them. We're referring to the people who disagree with us. We, 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 we see an act of violence and we say the world needs Jesus. And it's true, they do need Jesus. We, we see new cultural norms that are being adopted that are evil and immoral. And we say, man, the world needs Jesus. But when we're talking about people who might vote like we do, think like we do, obey the law like we do, we hardly refer to them as people who need Jesus. We fail to realize that even if a person is good in your eyes, if they don't have Jesus, they too need Jesus. They too need to be preached to. Their heart hasn't been fixed. Even, even if all the issues are in order, we, for, we, we, we place priority on the issues rather than the heart. That is what I'm seeing in our church today. Not our church, not, not our church, in, in the church, in the church. It's safe to assume that this man, he had his house in order, he was responsible, he was respected, he, he was a good practitioner of the law, but then Jesus got to the heart of the issue because solving issues by themselves is not enough. He says, okay, you did everything right. You followed the law since you were a, a child. Now give everything that you've acquired in your life, give it to the poor and come and follow me. He could not do that. Even though he was great, even though he was a good person, even though he obeyed the law, he could not follow Jesus because of the heart issue. Issues don't get you into heaven. The heart can solve the issues. The heart will align with a heart that wants to, wants to do the will of God. And that is what we need to focus on. We have focused more on preaching against the issues of our world than preaching the, G, the Jesus who can fix the heart of people. If you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice that the Pharisees, the Pharisees are always mad about something. Like all the time. I don't know if Pharisees like ever smiled. <laughs> like they, they were just always upset about something. They found issue with everything. Look at this man healing on the Sabbath. How terrible. What is our world coming to? They try to trap him by asking him about divorce. They, they wanted to find every little detail that would be wrong with Jesus so that they could persecute him. They were focusing so much on the issues. Jesus hardly focused as much on the issues. He focused more on the heart. And I'll give you an example. Remember the woman at the well? She had this encounter with Jesus, and she, she's, a, she's a Samaritan woman, and, and Samaritans don't have dealings with Jewish people. They, they, don't, they don't like each other, right? There's beef there. And uh, he sits with her anyway, and, and he, he very briefly, he does, he does mention an issue in her life. Do you remember what the issue is? She's got four husbands. She, 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 uh, she's been with four men, and, and the man that she's with now is not her husband. He mentions it. He does mention it because she does have to see her wrong. That's how we repent. But he doesn't focus 
on that problem. He, instead, he focuses on the solution, right? He focuses on the good news. He doesn't sit there for the next 30 minutes saying, oh, woman, you're so filthy. What's wrong with you? You stop playing these games with these men. He doesn't call her names. He says, look, I am the Messiah. I am the one who can give you living water that will never make your spirit thirsty again. That was the heart of the issue. When we read this chapter, Mark 13, doesn't it sound scary? <laughs> it sounds so ominous. And it is. Jesus isn't sugarcoating it, anything. He's telling it like it is. This is, gonna, this is the way that it's going to be in the final days. These are the things that you're going to see, and they're going to be scary. They're going to be things that you don't, that make you uncomfortable. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be wars. There's going to be division. There's going to be natural disasters and deception. There's going to be famine. There's going to be violence. There's going to be execution. But right there in verse 10, he says that the gospel must still be preached. The gospel must still be preached. What is gospel in Greek? It literally means good news. I know it's hard to see that in the midst of all this chaos. Jesus says there is good news to be preached. I know it's hard when we, when we focus in on the issues and the problems plaguing our world, but fear not, I have overcome the world. And the good news of Christ still exists, and you just need to go out and preach it. Preach it. It's hard. It's hard to see the good in filth. It's hard. I, you know, we, we, go look at, we go look at houses every now and then. I'm going to put Lex on blast. I'm sorry. We go look at houses, um, you know, to fix up, to, to flip. And, and these are terrible houses. They're ugly. Roaches everywhere. Mold growing somewhere. The toilets, you wouldn't believe. Terrible. And then sometimes Alexa's like, why do you, why do you pick ugly houses? <laughs> and... It's, it's, it's hard to see, and I'll admit, I, I wish I had a better vision for like, like some of y'all women do, man, I, when, I, when I post on my stories, like these, these houses that we're, we're flipping, y'all are like, oh man, I have so many ideas, you can do this, 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 I'm like, how do y'all see that? I don't, I don't see any of that. It's hard to see something good in the midst of everything that's just bad. And you look at, you watch the news, and that's all that's going to be fed to you. You, you. you open up Facebook, social media, that's all you're going to see. But there is still good news. There is still the gospel message. And the gospel message has the power to save people and deliver people from those issues that are immoral. From those issues that have no truth based in them. That is the good news. And we cannot have a church that has forgotten that there is good news. This word is still relevant today. Jesus told his, his disciples who were sitting with him, they asked him this question. But Jesus was speaking well into the future church and to the future church as well. He wasn't just talking to these four disciples who were here listening to him. He was talking to you. He was talking to me. He was talking to, to, to the church in 2020. These are the things that you are going to see. These are the things that you are going to hear. But the gospel must still be preached. Many of these things that Jesus spoke about, they've already taken place. Many of them we are experiencing today. 
We're still living in the end times. We're still awaiting the the return of Christ. And while we wait, the gospel is still powerful. The gospel can still save. The gospel still needs to be preached. We can't get lost in the weeds that we forget the good news. You remember when Jesus was ascended into heaven and his disciples were like, oh, well, there goes that. That was the best thing we've ever seen, best thing we've ever experienced in our life. Now what? The angel comes down and he says, why, why are you looking up? There's something here before you. There's a mission before you. That, that, that good thing that, that just went up into the sky, that good person, that, that, that is still relevant today. That word is still here today. Now you have to go out and you have to make disciples. I don't know if I'm preaching anybody this morning. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard message because there's so much to be mad about. Really. I'm, I'm particularly angry a lot of days that there's, there's so much division, political division within the church. And, and, and the church seems to be more divided politically than it is unified by Christ. That makes me upset. But instead of walking around mad every day, Jesus says there's still good news. There's still something to smile about. This world can still be saved. Your world can still be saved. Your parents can still be saved. Your children, your brothers, your sisters, your best friend. Because there is still good news there. Church, I know that our world is evil. It is evil. I know that there are new tactics of of evil that we that we see, that we're exposed to, and and we're not used to we're not used to them, so we're trying to figure out how, how do we navigate through this new evil. But can I just tell you something? Our church our our church, God no. Our world has always been evil. Our world has always been evil. It is a fallen world. And a fallen world cannot be fixed, but it can be saved. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't fix you. He saved you. If Jesus fixed you, you wouldn't need him anymore. If he he fixed you, what is the point of of the perfect savior? What, What is the point of it? You can just do things by yourself. But we're imperfect and we constantly fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that if anyone says that he is without sin, he deceives himself. And the truth is not in him. We haven't been fixed, but we have been saved by grace. That amazing grace that sees me as beautiful, even though I know there's a lot of ugly in me. And that is a message that we need to be preaching, church. That Jesus can save even the ugliest soul. The world is falling and it's going to continue to fall all the way to death and destruction. That's what the scripture says. 
But the good news is that Jesus saves all those who come to him. Not by fixing them, not by making them perfect or sinless, but by taking our burdens and our issues onto himself and defeating them on the cross. So, when we look at the world and we ask, what's the good news? Is there any good news? There is. It's the gospel of Christ. Share it with somebody. Find a way to do it. Like, I, I know this word is very, Pastor Dane preached this morning a, a, great, a great message on miracles and faith. He asked me what I was preaching about today. I said, I'm, I'm doing a classic message on the gospel. Because, man, we, sometimes we make things a, lot, a little complicated. We overcomplicate things when it's just, it's just about the gospel, man. It's about the good news of Christ. It's about the kingdom of God. I wanted to piggyback a little bit off of uh, Brother Renee last week who brought a message on the kingdom. Because people won't see that kingdom. And it's a shame because the news of the kingdom is there. It's in our possession. It's in our hearts. And I know that there's issues in our world that need to be preached against. I know that there's advocating that we need to do. I know, I know that there's standing up that the church needs to, to, to take. But we will only ever fix the heart by Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, church. I know, I know it can be intimidating at times. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. I know it can be intimidating to share the gospel with somebody. It's not, it's not practical. How, do you, how in the world do you do it? Do I just spark up a conversation with somebody? Do I knock on somebody's door? Do I just cold call people asking them if they know Jesus? Like, how, how, do, I, how do I do it? This has really been something that, you know, God has been putting on my heart lately. We, we need to talk about how we, how we do this, how we preach the gospel, because honestly, church, I don't know how many of us are actually preaching the gospel. I preach it from the pulpit. We preach it from church. We preach it on Facebook every now and then with the, with the verse, but, but we need to get into the heart of people, man. We need to sit down with them, and instead of having conversations about, about politics or about issues, we need to say, hey, do you know Jesus? Let's start there. I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and um, he, he, uh, he called me up. He wanted to meet with me about, about something. You know, he's a... Um, outside of ministry, he, he's, not a, he's not a minister. He wanted to meet with me about real estate. And so I met with him. And he was basically, he was saying, he was giving me his story. And he said, man, the reason I want to get into real estate is because I want to try to quit my job. And I, 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 uh, I hurt my back. And, and, and the job that I have, it's very labor intens- uh, intensive. And it, it really... It's, it's ruining my back, and I need to find a way to get out. I need to make money. He said that his, his wife uh, cheated on him, and, and, and he was, you know, they were, they were a, a two, uh, they were a, a working household, a two-income household, and now, now he, he feels like he's about to lose his house because she moved out. And he's just, he, he's, he, he gave me his story, and he wanted to ask me about real estate. Well, what, what can I do? Where do I get started? But before that, I was like, man, 
I know you didn't call me to, to, to talk about this, but do you know that there's, there's hope in Jesus? Do you know that there's, there, there is, there is hope when, when, when you read the word of God, that there, there are answers there. And I, I offer, I mean, it was very intimidating. I, I don't know how I was going to respond, but it is, it is our responsibility, church. We are a mouthpiece for God in this world. So I want you to ask God this week. I want you to say a prayer every morning and say, God, grant me an opportunity to speak your gospel. Grant me an opportunity. And, and, and you'll know it when you see it. And I want to pray. I want to just pray over the church here this morning to, to empower you because, man, it's getting bad out there. I know. But there is still good news. There is still good news. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. And in just a second, we're going we're gonna to take, take communion. But before that, I want to I wanna just pray over you. I want to pray over, over the saints, over, over the church, all those who have been equipped with the truth. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, this morning. I pray over these believers, my God. My God, I know that when we look at our world, Father, and Everything just looks like it's a mess, and, and, and it is, my God. But I pray that we don't forget, Father, that you are still good. I pray that we don't forget, Lord, that you are still saving, that you are still giving grace, Lord. And I pray that you equip us, Father God. Come on, right now in your own words, just, just begin to ask God. God, give me, give me the words when I feel like I don't have them. Your word says that you don't have to worry about what you're going to say because it's not going to be you. God, grant us the opportunity, Father God, to share your word with somebody, to share the message of hope with someone, my God, even, even if they don't receive it, Father God. Even if they don't receive it, my God, even if they don't accept it, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you just give us the words, my God, to speak the truth, my God. I pray, my God, that we may not be afraid to invite people to the house of God. I, I pray that, that we, don't, we don't shy away from asking a person, do you know Jesus? Uh, that, that, that we are not afraid to lay hands on somebody and pray over them when they need it. In Jesus' name, we are your church, my God. Holy Spirit, use us. Holy Spirit, empower us, my God. Right now, my God, I pray, Lord, for wisdom, Father God. I pray, Father God, for the words, my God, when they don't have it, my God. I pray for the recognition, my God, of opportunity, Lord, so that it does not pass them by, my God. I pray for gentleness, my God. I pray for gentleness, my God, when they speak, Father God. I pray for truth, my God. I pray, my God, that they may be direct, Father God, with the truth message, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, equip us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.